Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for bringing us into the last month of 2022. Thank you for an amazing year. Um, Thank you for everyone that has been present in this um, Bible study series, whether in person or through the podcast. Thank you for all that this month holds for us. And thank you because we get to end the year on a high. Thank you that today we bring Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians to an end. Thank you for all that we've learned so far. And thank you for all that we're going to learn today. I pray that even as we go through your word, there is clarity. I pray that the truth of your word shines in our hearts. I pray that we're able to apply it to our lives. I pray that we're able to teach others also. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. Hi, Nifemi, good to see you. Hi, Bolu. Hi, IBK. Hi, Ianu. Hope we're doing well. Good to see you all. Uh, Today, we're bringing First Thessalonians to a close. And I remember... When I sent out the poster, someone here, someone in this group was like, ah, it's First Corinthians. Can you see that? It's First Corinthians, your mate, or how did she put it? I can't remember. And the person put it in the chat. <laughs> because we spent the whole month, or we spent how many months in First Corinthians, and we just spent like seven teachings. <laughs> Good morning, IBK. In First Thessalonians. But like I said, um, even in the broadcast message, that beyond the exegesis of it all, in the simple things just reflect on your life and make corrections where you need to because at the end of the day first thessalonians is simply a letter to, it's a checkup i hope you guys are still doing well your young believers keep in mind these few things i would see you soon that's first thessalonians and so while there may not be a lot of theological explanations it's important that we keep in mind these little things so that's the first thing Um, The second, by way of announcement, we will not be meeting next week, Saturday. For many of us here, the reason is very obvious. Um, More than half, if not 80% of us will probably be at another program, um, Reboot Camp. Let me use this podcast to to advertise it. (laughs) Um, Reboot Camp, uh, it's it's an end-of-year program by Celebration Church, which I am a part of. And so we'll not be meeting next week, Saturday, but then we'll meet the Saturday after. And by God's grace through the end of the year i believe even if most people might not be able to join because of christmas and all those things that's fine i would still be here we'll record the teachings and put it i really want us to finish second thessalonians this year as well um so yes uh (laughs) so we'll not be meeting next week finally uh i just wanted to appreciate everyone here everyone who is not here everyone listening to the podcast as well um this is the one time in the year where apple anything apple you start to feel bad that ah, maybe maybe i should not have used apple right spotify releases their playlist they release uh sorry the early reviews right whether it's for podcasts whether it's for music i had a friend of mine a friend of mine a brother in christ his number one was passenger his number two was uh was he ashake i can't remember <laughs> Michael Jackson, Ashake, Drake, Kanye, Pope Alabi, <laughs> and Theophilus Sunday on the same 
list. It was it was surprising. <laughs> that is that is I don't know what to call that. Um, for some of us here, we might not have been able to share our <laughs> our playlist as well. They say, ah, let them not think that I do not love the Lord as much as I do. <laughs> um, but I mean, it's it's is Ashake on your list a bad thing? I do not know. It was not on mine, but I'm just asking. For many, it was Ashake and Dunsin, and then Burner Boy, and and who now? <laughs> and Paste. Those those are the mix we're seeing, but it's all good. Um, for the podcast as well, Chike Chike was on a lot of Chike was on mine. To be honest, Chike was on mine, rightfully so. He deserves every minute he has gotten out of me. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, while I don't use Spotify, us Apple Music users and Apple Podcast listeners, I don't even know. I don't have any podcast review. I know it's in my head. It's probably Bible Project uh bigger pockets podcasts about the real estate podcasts i listen to stuff like that but it's not fair i'm like ah apple you can do better you can do better <laughs> you guys oh ah, no the 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 review is not that you can't it's not nearly as good it's not nearly as good and we don't have podcasts but anyways all that to say that the spotify podcast reviews also came in and i was blown away honestly i just want to thank you all for everyone that has ever shared for everyone that has been with us since whenever they joined or since the beginning january 2021 um it's amazing to see uh the impact that i mean every now and then i get random messages on instagram like oh i really appreciate what you're doing thank you and i mean that's why we do what we do but just seeing the recap as well was very very encouraging and grateful to god to be able to share god's word with you all and i'm grateful for everyone that has stuck around this far and i'm glad to see even beyond the numbers i'm more interested in seeing that people are learning growing so like if you say oh daniel said we should not gossip eh, eh, that is why i do what i do i say oh sons of god eh, eh, that is good um welcome dami welcome I'm not going to, I'll just say the last name, Ayo. Welcome, Ayo. Welcome, Christina. Welcome, Omian. Hi, T-Faith. It's good to see you. T-Faith is an OG. <laughs> Welcome, Hepsiba. It's good to see you as well. All right. So, thank you, everyone. Uh, we end the year on a high. Next year, we go even, we do even better. We reach even more people and God's word will prevail in the hearts of men. All right. Get your Bibles, your writing materials, your notepads anything you used to take notes turn your bibles to first thessalonians 5 we're in the last chapter it took us only seven teachings so that's good <laughs> turn your bible to first thessalonians 5 verse 1 today we bring the whole thing to wraps if you remember last week he said finally but we're still there just like every pastor he's still on the finally <laughs> so let's read together and we uh yeah we end it verse one i'm reading from the nkjv by the way it says but concerning the times and seasons brethren you have no need that i should write to you again this is another reason why you read bible books as a whole right it's another reason why even though people have helped us to break the bible down into chapters and verses it would do you a lot of good if you can 
remember that the bible was not originally written in chapters and verses because if you remember when we ended last week from verse 13 chapter 4 verse 13 we've been talking about the coming of the lord the day of the lord right and he's still talking about that so if you read from verse 18 to verse 18 i say oh i've read chapter 4 and you forget everything you've read in chapter 4 and then you start from verse 5 i'm sorry from verse 1 chapter 5 verse 1 you're going to miss out right because you're, you're not following his train of thought he just talked about encouraging people because jesus is coming again and everyone oh and first thessalonians 5 verse 1 so we're just starting verse 1 um he just talked about how everyone would rise and so if you had a loved one who was in christ and died you have nothing to be worried about he ended verse 18 saying comfort one another with these words and now he starts verse one so concerning this coming of the lord i'm talking about it says you don't have a need that i should write to you meaning that he's probably taught them already he's told them he's one of the things he taught before he left was probably about the coming of the lord and how no one knows verse two it says for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the lord so comes as a thief in the night verse three for when they say peace and safety then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman they shall not escape so let's go back to verse two two things we're going to talk about the day of the lord and thief in the night right it says the day of the lord is coming as a thief in the night first of all what is the day of the lord what is the day of the lord in context we've already started reading from chapter 4 verse 13 to chapter 4 verse 18 so we already know that the day of the lord in verse 15 it, it talks about how the lord would descend from heaven meaning he would make himself manifest in the flesh we would see him physically right with a shout how the dead in christ would be raised so we say oh this is the day of the lord it's when jesus comes this is what we typically call in many called uh, many christian circles the rapture or the second coming the day of the lord however in the last chapter he talked about a lot of beautiful things oh there'll be trumpets oh everyone will come go meet him in the clouds cool stuff but in chapter in verse 3 he's saying that there'll be sudden destruction he's saying that people will not escape he's saying that when people are saying that there is peace and safety then destruction will come and like, ah, is the day of the lord good or is the day of the lord bad is the day of the lord good or is the day of the lord bad what are your thoughts you can put it in the chat is the day of the lord a good thing or is the day of the lord a horrible thing how should i respond to the day of the lord like, ah, peace and safety destruction be pregnant woman labor pains <laughs> exactly it's both it's both let's look at that phrase the day of the lord this is not the first time it depends on who you are exactly it depends on who you are <laughs> is the sound of a police siren good or bad it depends on what you were doing when you heard that police siren for some of you you were driving at 100 miles and then you heard a police siren that is not good news for some of you you were just driving on your own and then you heard a police siren. that's good news <laughs> right um the sound of of a bell i remember in primary school when we used to ring bells every time a class is over was that bell a good thing or not it depends on what is coming after so some of us we had math the next period so that's how it was from let's say creative writing to math or 
what was a cool class in primary school a class that everyone enjoyed i don't know maybe computer science or maybe finance or something or was there home club pe uh-huh. you had pe and you know that after the and french wow uh, or lunch <laughs> exactly if lunch is coming after then it's a good bell you are happy like oh thank god but if math is coming after then no uh, that is not a good bell so it really just depends the phrase the day of the lord is not something that is new to it's not it didn't just come up in in uh in the new testament right it came way before paul wrote about the day of the lord and so when he says the day of the lord especially if you are a jewish person it's not a new phrase let's just look at a few places that that phrase the day of the lord has been used isaiah 2 verse 12 isaiah 2 verse 12 so it says for the day of the lord in fact you can start reading from verse from verses 1 but i don't have that time but you can any of these verses you can read the whole chapter after this it would actually really help um but let's see from verse six it talks about oh you forsaken your people isaiah 2 verse 6 right because they are filled with eastern ways they are soothsayers like the philistines they are pleased with the children of foreigners talking about the rebellion of israel their land is full of silver and gold there is no end to their treasures um their land is full of idols they worship the works of their own hands so he's talking about now the gentiles which the lord has handed over the israelite nations to he now says people bow down and each man humbles himself therefore do not forgive them now it starts to speak to the people enter into the rock hide in the dust from the terror of the lord and the glory of his majesty it says the lofty looks of man shall be humbled the haughtiness of men shall be bowed down and the lord alone shall be exalted in that day what day for the day of the lord shall come upon everything proud and lofty upon everything lifted up and it shall be brought low so there's a description there that on that day man will have nothing to brag about and anyone who feels that their identity and their worth has been tied to their worldly achievements will be humbled because on that day only god will be glorified that's one of those verses let's check out another verse uh we have isaiah 13 verse 9 to 16 isaiah really likes the day of the lord um isaiah 13 from verse 9 to 16 it talks about oh the day of the lord is coming it's cruel with fierce anger to lay the land desolate to destroy sinners from it but the stars of heaven and the constellations will not give their light the sun will be darkened and the moon will not cause his light to shine i will punish the world for its evil and the wicked for their iniquity i would halt the arrogance of the proud and i will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible it goes on goes on goes on goes on goes on again the general idea in the immediate context talking about god's judgment to rebellious nations right god's judgment to rebellious nations let's look at another verse uh we're still talking about the day of the lord let's see um obadiah that verse that book of the bible like wow there's a book of the bible called obadiah <laughs> Obadiah 1:15-17. How many chapters does Obadiah have? Pop quiz <laughs> before you open it. <laughs> Obadiah 1:15-17. to 
So this year, you read Obadiah. Say thank you. It says, For the day of the Lord upon all the nations is near. As you have done, it shall be done to you. Your reprisal shall return on your own head. For as you drank on my holy mountain, so shall all the nations drink continually. It says, Yes, they shall drink and swallow, and they shall be as though they had never been. But on Mount Zion, there will be deliverance, and there shall be holiness, and the house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. Because this is not a topical teaching on the day of the Lord, I will assume we understand verse 17. <laughs> what Mount Zion is, when it says there shall be holiness. This is literally talking about the church of God. Obadiah 15 to 17. Obadiah 15 to 17. Just one chapter. The house of Jacob, talking about Israel, but we read Romans 9, 10, 11, and we know what the true Israel is, right? But then the idea there, pretty much, it, it's it's clear, right? The day of the Lord is that idea that when Christ returns, he will judge the world. He will judge the world. And in that sense, anyone in Christ looks forward to the day of the Lord with excitement. But if you're outside Christ, if you've built your life on lies and evil and sin, corrupt nations, corrupt systems, then it will not be something you look forward to. And this is a theme we see all through the Bible. We've seen many or we've seen types and shadows of that kind of judgment when God comes and the righteous is spared and evil is judged. We saw it in Sodom and Gomorrah, right? We see how God rescued Lot. I would have said his entire family, but his poor wife <laughs> said, no, I left my Balenciagas at home. <laughs> and so she was turned into salt. Um, we see the same thing with the flood. We see the same thing with the flood. God bringing upon judgment on all humanity, telling people, change, follow me, go into the ark, right? But only Noah, his wives, and his kids went in. It reminds me of that song, Amono Tetewa. For those who don't understand, I don't know the meaning either. I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> we don't know the way, Abby. Please, come, Lord, come. I am Baje. The world is getting worse and worse. Sin is multiplying every day. <laughs> right? I tried, Abby. I tried. I tried. I tried. Thank you. You see? You see? It's in me. It's in me. It's in me. I just have to take from within a put upon. Anyways, I always joke that the person that composed that song, he did not. I wonder what he'll be singing now. When he was saying the world is sinful, sin is multiplying, he did not anticipate what he'll be saying now. He did not. Only what was he saying? Um, um, people were cheating on their husbands and wives. <laughs> the world is way worse than that. But that's the point, right? Um, the day of the Lord is a time where he would come to judge evil and reward good. So like we all said, it really depends. But it says he comes as a thief in the night. The idea there that it's sudden, it's unexpected, right? But for who? Let's go on. Verse 4, it says, But you, brethren, you are not in the darkness, or you are not in the night, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are not a thief. <laughs> you are all sons of God, 
sorry, sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. And so already he makes it very clear. If in verse 2, he said the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Meaning it's unexpected, it's unplanned. And of course, what is a thief in the night coming to do? It's to rob. It's not a pleasant coming. You're not anticipating, ah, a thief is coming tonight. Let me get ready. No. However, he says, but you brethren, but you brethren, you are not in the night. So the day of the Lord is not coming to you as a thief in the night. You don't stand before a Christian congregation and say, the Lord is coming as a thief in the night. <laughs> not for them. Because they are not in the night. And God's coming is not like a thief. It is like a welcome bridegroom. It is not a thief. It is not something that they hear and all of a sudden they are filled with dread. It's something they see and they are excited about. Actually, it's something they anticipate. Yes, we might not know the time we might not know the hour. And in that sense, both believers and unbelievers are like, there's a sense of um, unexpectedness, if that's a word. However, our response to the coming of the Lord is not like it is in verse 2 and verse 3. It is not sudden destruction. It is not labor pains upon a pregnant woman. And it is definitely not something we dread. It says that we are not in the darkness so that this day should overtake us as a thief. And so speak to believers the way the Bible speaks to believers. You don't stand before a safe congregation and start saying, brethren, we don't know the day, we don't know the hour. It is like a thief in the night. It is, <laughs> when we talk about the coming of the Lord, we just read it from last chapter. It's something that we comfort ourselves with. It's something that we encourage ourselves with. So it's not something we dread. It's not something we dread. It's literally something that we say, ah, at least Jesus is coming soon. You go out every day, you see evil and you say, at least God is coming soon. God is coming soon. God is coming soon. And so it says, therefore, if you are not in the night, let us not sleep. As others do, but let us watch and be sober if you followed paul's epistles or if you followed me teaching on paul's epistles any any one of them those two words you would see it many many places to watch and be sober to watch and be sober to watch and be sober what does it mean to watch let's read on first and then we'll go into that it says for those who sleep sleep at night unless you work night shift i'm just joking generally those who sleep sleep at night those who get drunk are drunk at night again paul did not anticipate <laughs> but anyways we get the idea right but let us who of the day be sober and so we see watchfulness and sleep we see sobriety or sobriety how do you pronounce that Daisy, help me. <laughs> we see that being sober, at least I can't feel that, and drunkenness. And the question there is, what does that mean? You say, oh, believer, don't sleep. Be awake. Okay. What does it mean? I'm awake. Am, am, I, am I sleeping now? No one listening to me. Hopefully he's sleeping at this point. What does it mean to be awake? What does it mean 
Do not be drunk, but be sober. Say, ah, can you see? All of you drinking palm wine. <laughs> the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. You need to read your Bible better. What does it mean? What does it mean to be asleep? Let's even start with that. It's, it's very clear. What happens when you are asleep? Again, in the context of the day of the Lord coming, you are unaware of your surroundings. You are unaware. Generally, you, you're, you're, you are, your sensitivity is dropped. If someone, well, depending on the kind of sleeper you are, if someone comes into your, you probably not know, right? If someone takes, you would not know because you were sleeping. You were sleeping. I, I, am I a deep sleeper? I'm not sure. For some of us, if you step in, you will wake up. If they turn on that, you will wake up. Anything, you wake up. If I'm in my house and I'm comfortable, I don't think I'll wake up. But that's the point. You, 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 you lack awareness to what is going on around you. You are not aware. <laughs> I would ask her. I will ask her. I will ask her. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Toko, for reminding me. <laughs> um, you lack awareness. Your, you lack sensitivity. On the other hand, what does it mean to be awake? It means that you are alert and you are watchful. And so in the context of doing your everyday life, what does it mean when you tell a believer, don't sleep? Don't sleep or be awake. Be alert. Jesus is coming. What 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 would you see in the life of a believer who you say oh ah, this one has, this one slept this one is sleeping wake wake him up wake up wake up is that you are so it means that you are living your life without an awareness that Jesus is coming you are living your life without an awareness that there is more to reality than this present world. And so anyone who lives just for the physical is asleep. That's the point. So if you see a person's life characterized by, oh, all I need is get a job. Oh, nine to five. Oh, party on the weekends. Oh, travel. Oh, this, that. And there is nothing in their life that indicates that they see that there's more to life than what they can see. They are asleep. And so for a believer to be awake, what does it mean? It means to live your every day knowing that there's more to reality than what you see. There's more to, to, to life than just the physical. And there are things way more important than just the physical. And so a believer who is awake or a believer who is asleep, how can we tell the difference? It's in priority. It's in priorities. When you put things... Of, of this world above the things of God, you are asleep. You are asleep. When you are constantly finding yourself making decisions that limit your effectiveness in eternity for the, for the present, you are asleep. You are asleep. Say, oh, it's all about the, you are, you have, you have slept. In fact, you are in deep sleep. From your priorities, you can ask yourself, am I asleep or am I awake? Every day I wake up, what is most on my mind? Is it just my career plans, my, my relationship goals, uh, my this, my that? Or am I thinking about the fact that Jesus is coming? There are people that don't know him. There are, there, 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 there's a way to live knowing that I've been saved. 
we can tell from your priorities and very similarly what is the difference between being drunk and being sober what is the major character hmm. <laughs> characteristic i know my english i've been spending so much time solving math i don't know how to speak again <laughs> what is the major characteristic of drunkenness it's the fact that you are acting out of something that is influencing you besides yourself the difference between drunkenness and sobriety is influence it's influence right in the sense in which when you see a drunken person the way they move the way they talk they slur their words they are they are staggering right they are being influenced like they are, they are they are not in control rather that's the word they are not in control they are not in control a sober person is in full control of his senses full control of his senses and as a believer it's the same thing if as a believer you find out that there are things in this life that are influencing you beyond the spirit of god we talked about that before you are drunk you are drunk if it's whether it's in your speech whether it's in your thought patterns whether it's in the decisions you make on a daily basis you can tell how in fact you know when they say oh zero point is it zero point two five zero point five five you can tell in the same way in the spirit you, say, ah, you are too drunk to drive <laughs> you are too drunk to drive if 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 there are things that are influencing your day-to-day -day actions your day-to-day -day decisions beyond the spirit of god anything that is driving your life whether it's fear or fear of fear of fear of tomorrow fear of whatever whether it's fame whether it's whatever it is that is drunkenness there's a reason why you see in second timothy 1 verse 7 paul talking to timothy for god has not given us the spirit of fear but of power of love and of a sound mind or of self-control also it's a fruit of the spirit there's a reason it's there do not be drunk with wine wearing its excess but be filled with the Spirit, singing psalms, hymns, making melodies your heart to the Lord. Right? Those two things, to be watchful and to be sober, let it be something that you daily, even in moments in the day, you meditate on. Oh, am I? I just, I lost focus here. I'm a bit drunk. I'm a bit drunk. I'm a bit drunk. When you notice you're starting to say things you shouldn't, you're starting to do things you shouldn't, or you are not doing things you should, maybe you are dozing. And that's why you need to say, wake up, wake up, wake up. We're not in the night, wake up, wake up. So it's something we should keep in our minds. As a believer, I'm expected to be sober meaning that the spirit of god is the one influencing my decisions as a believer i'm expected to be watchful i'm not meant to doze i'm not meant to get groggy tired i'm alert i'm aware of what god is doing in the world i'm aware of where i stand and i know how to respond amen it says let us who have the day be sober putting on the breastplate of faith and love 
and as a helmet the hope of salvation we see something similar in ephesians 6 where he was teaching how to stand against the devil right and i've taught on that in ephesians so if you want to listen to that just listen to journey through ephesians but it's the same idea that we hold fast to our christian identity we hold fast to faith we hold fast to love we hold fast to the hope of jesus's coming that is how to be sober by holding fast to what matters by holding fast to what matters it says for god did not appoint us to wrath but to salvation to obtain salvation rather through our lord jesus god did not appoint us to wrath so again just like we said earlier it means that the day of the lord it means both wrath and salvation again depending on where you are it is going to be a day of wrath to some wrath simply means when god judges sin and evil in the world with finality or it's going to be a day of salvation where god redeems his people from the consequences of sin and evil in the world forever and it's saying that for everyone in christ you can be sure that god did not appoint you to wrath if you are in christ there is no fear of wrath there is no fear associated with the day of the lord so this is talking about the outcome of the person in christ it's not it's not a verse that i would recommend using to argue eternal salvation or conditional salvation what the verse is saying is that anyone in christ will not be afraid of wrath on the day to come if you are in christ you've been you, you can trust that you would obtain salvation so this is the outcome of the person in christ are you saved yes you have nothing to fear the day of the lord is not uh um what's that song again uh my no what's that don't don't forget me when you don't forget me when you come for your people that's an insult to the work of christ you're telling god not to forget you that god when you come don't leave me behind how how i remember seeing a video i, I don't know who it was he said if you get to heaven hear me if you get to heaven and you don't see me there says know that you are in hell you did not go to heaven that is the confidence that a man in christ or a woman in christ should be able to speak with why because god has appointed them to salvation if i believe in the gospel i believe in what jesus has done with all my heart i have no ounce of doubt that when he returns I will be saved. I have no doubts. No doubts. As a kid, I had many doubts. In fact, as a young believer, I was still not sure. You just pray, God, just, just come at the right time <laughs> so that I'll be ready. No. Do you believe the gospel? Do you believe in what Jesus did? I mean, think about the length to which he went. He took on flesh as if that was not enough. He lived a humble, lowly life. He suffered and died just so that you will be with him forever. And you think that you receive that and all of a sudden, 
you are still it's still 50 50 no 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 it doesn't make sense you're a reasoner <laughs> no and that's what he goes on to say in verse 10 that he died for us so that whether we are awake or whether we wake or sleep now <laughs> this is where let me read verse 11 first whether we wake or sleep we should live together with him Therefore, comfort and edify one another just as you are doing already. This is where you can, you can uh, be too smart for your own good. How some people would interpret verse 10 is that wake or sleep has to do with the same wake or sleep we've talked about in verse 6, in verse 7. Meaning whether I'm alert, living for eternity, <laughs> or whether... I am carnal, living like an unbeliever. I will live together with the glory to God. Whether the believers are awake or asleep, they should live together with him. That is not what Paul is teaching. The grace of God does not teach us to live licentiously. When Paul says wake or sleep, again, if you've been following from verse 14, he's saying whether we are alive or dead. It's not saying... Whether I'm living life like is is uh, living young and wild and free, whether that, <laughs> or whether I'm living for God, it doesn't matter. I will live together with Him. No, there's no verse in the Scriptures that supports that kind of theology. What Paul is saying is that whether we are dead or alive, we will trust that we would live together with Him when He comes, and that's why he ends again by saying in verse eleven, comfort each other and edify one another just as you are also and so the day of the lord for the christian is not something we use to stir up fear it's very important the day of the lord for the believer is something that we use to comfort one another and it's something that we use to edify one another why comfort comfort again if you've been reading from the previous verses comfort in the sense in which you've lost loved ones they will you will see them again because they are only asleep you would live together with them remember the resurrection and john and jesus and lazarus right that we talked about last week it's something to comfort why is it also comfort it's comfort because if you are in christ in fact you don't even have to be in christ there are many people that are not believers that have very very troubled by the state of the world when you see the injustice when you see what evil looks like when you see persecution you see you see murder you look at things like the holocaust you look at things and it bothers you that god this world is broken you see the effects of sin and sickness in the world for instance you you see oh you're losing a loved one cancer everybody cancer 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 this cancer that accidents this that you see how broken this world is. It's a thing of comfort if you are in Christ that God is coming to make it right. My friend on this call, David, and many of our conversations end with, ah, Jesus, just come. Because you look at the world, people are not okay. People, human beings are not. I don't know how God keeps us, but we are not okay. The things you see, the way the world is now, with all the discussions around gender and this, and people are not okay. <laughs> so it's a thing of comfort that God, yes, I'm fed up with sin in this world, but I know you're coming soon. 
It's something that believers use to comfort one another. And that's why you, it was a thing of greeting, Maranatha. <laughs> Everyone, you will see, oh, Maranatha. Because while reminding ourselves where our hope lies, that is the hope of every believer. That is the comfort of every believer that Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. And anything in your life that takes precedence over that fact, you have slept. Or you have, you've become, you, you've taken small, taking a shot. <laughs> right? Jesus is coming again. It's a thing of comfort. Not only that, it's a thing of edification. Edification, why? Because the consciousness that Jesus is coming again influences the way we live now. It goes back to what we're saying about being watchful or being sober. It's something we hold as a thing of comfort, but it's also something that challenges us to behave better. If I know that Jesus is coming, there's a way I would live my life. There's a way I would live my life. There's a way I would live my life. I remember a friend of mine, she passed on um, a couple years back due to sickle cell and all of that. But I don't know if you know people that maybe have that or, or let's say someone that doesn't expect to live beyond 30 or 40 or something like that. Or you know those questions, if you had like, if you had six months, if so, God forbid, if they tell you that in six months, you would drop dead. It changes everything. It changes everything. Think about it. Just ask yourself right now. If I had six months to live, what will I do? All of a sudden, the first thing that happens is you are forced to prioritize. That is the purpose of time. Time causes us to prioritize. If you had only one hour left, all it's, it's all about priority. All you're going to be focused on, maybe it's saying things to people you, you wish you said, letting every friend of yours you, you have know how much you care about them, letting your family know how much you care about them. Right? Maybe you, I don't know what you can do in one hour. If you're in Lagos, I'm sorry. You would, traffic will, and you will, is in traffic, you will end things. So you better don't leave your house. <laughs> but I don't know what you did if you had one hour left. If you had one day left, you had one day left, what would you do? What would you do? If you had five months left, what would you do? And so the point is, there is that sense in which we know that Jesus is coming soon. And there's a sense of urgency and alertness that for the believer, that comes with and it influences our decisions. And so I can't act the way an unbeliever would act because they don't, they're not conscious of the time. It's like saying two people have six months left to live. One person knows, one person does not know. The one who does not know, maybe... There's something was meant to come one year later. They will still be fighting for that thing. But if you knew that you had six months, I don't think visa issues will be on the top of your mind anymore because <laughs> it will not come in time. Where are you traveling? <laughs> I don't think, um, let's say you're meant to be promoted in one year. It would not, all those things would just go. Do you get my point? Because you know that it's not, you don't, you don't have time for that. You don't have time for that. All of a sudden, to be about more important, you just want to spend time with the people you love. You want to, if you are a believer, hopefully bring as many people. You want to get as many people saved. That 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 YouTube channel, if you want, you will open it. 
that uh, outreach that you've been, you will just go out and do it. Because you know that in six months, nothing else, like after those six months, what is it job? Is it, uh, I wanted to buy a house. All of a sudden, it doesn't matter. And what happens is because we still have the illusion of, oh, we have 50 years, uh, there's still that we're going to be here. We're young, right? There's still energy. We're going to be here for a while. We sleep. Paul is saying, <clears throat> live every day knowing that Jesus could come. That's, that's, that's what it means to be alert. That's what it means to be watchful. If you thought Jesus was going to come today, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And while, yes, there's still that sense, and I thank God that Paul, we always say balance, balance. The truth is, if you teach the Bible as the Bible should be taught, it will be balanced. You don't have to help them balance anything. They taught balanced teachings. It's in the same chapter we've spent time talking about people working with their own hands. We spend time uh, about people making sure that they don't have a negative reputation of laziness or uh, no. So all I'm saying is not an excuse to not say, ah, let me resign. Let me, after all, I don't know. Just can come today. No. (laughs) But it's a thing of priority. It's a thing of priority. It's a thing of priority. Amen. So it's a, that's why he can, we can comfort one another because we know God will make all things right. But we also edify one another because we know that the consciousness of jesus's return influences the way we live in the present amen thumbs up if that makes sense we're going into part two of first Thessalonians five all right all right verse 12 it says and we urge you brethren to recognize those who labor over you, among you rather, and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. I want you to underline, if you have a physical Bible, highlight that word recognize. Highlight the word labor. We urge you brethren to recognize them. You should know in your Christian culture, who are the people that God has placed over me? Recognize them and give them the honor they deserve. It says there are those who labor. That is Christian ministry. It's labor. The word labor in the Greek, K-O-P-I-A-O. K-O-P-I, sound like Kopiko. K-O-P-I-A-O. Kopiao. And it literally means, <clears throat> literally, to feel fatigue, like to get tired. <laughs> That's the word labor, to, to toil, to work hard. And that is the work that God has called Christian leaders to. It's, it is labor. It is not easy. It is not easy to teach God's word consistently. It is not easy to stand in the place of prayer interceding for God's people. It is not easy to lead God's people. It is not easy to, 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 to listen to the burdens. And we'll get to 2 Corinthians. Don't worry, you'll see it. It is not easy. If any of you, let's say your parents were pastors and they, they were gen, I'm not even talking about doctrine now. They truly loved God and loved God's people. 
or you've been around people like that that have spiritual responsibility or let's even say in your own capacity maybe you don't pastor a church but you've been placed over five over ten over a hundred you know how much work and i'm not even just saying administrative administratively there's a whole other world where there's work just even spiritually god bless you there's even one if god has placed just one person in your care to disciple if you if you do it well if you've been taught to do it well you know how much work it takes every day you're waking up you're thinking has this person prayed has this person studied how can i help this person grow you're checking up they're having issues they are the ones they will call you they will talk you you have your own problems <laughs> let's say that's is irrelevant you are here for them here for them my 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 family <clears throat> the family i stay with in maryland the dad is a pastor full-time right and almost every time if he's not reading his bible praying he's always on the call why because this family needs counseling this couple needs counseling this person doesn't know what to do and you're just there to remind them god's word to pray with them something happens you have to drive to their house let's say they lose it you drive to their like let's be 2 a.m you're driving there to go and console them remind them of these things that we've just taught it's not easy it's not easy the world may ridicule pastors ridicule christian leaders the world may say they don't deserve to be paid the world may say they are lazy the world may say ah what are they doing whatever in your life join them it's 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 irresponsible it's ignorant anyone <clears throat> who realizes how demanding spiritual leadership is will never talk like that or anyone who has benefited from good leadership you never talk like that you never you never talk like that even if it's just teaching of do you know how how long it takes me to prepare for jct anyways let's leave that aside and that's just this year that if, if we add the years of training before it's not easy it's not easy right now my friends i can be having brunch now, now now well you guys can also shout so let me let me not say that but it's not easy I, I want you to realize that spiritual leadership whether it's pastoral whether it's in teaching whether it's in just being there for the body discipleship recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the lord pay attention to that god has placed them this refers more specifically to church leadership structures the body is god's idea for your growth right ephesians 4 he gave gifts to men god's idea to help his body become more like him is by giving men and women right <clears throat> thank you very much i appreciate you all too um 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 what was i saying i lost my train of thought yes um god has placed them over you in the lord whether it's the person that is discipling you checking up on you every day have you prayed god has placed them over you in the lord whether it's your pastor whether it's your 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 group leaders whether whatever position 
that it is in spiritual recognized authority to help your growth god has placed them over you it says they label and they admonish the word admonish it's the word n-o-u-t-h-e-t-e-o n-o-u-t-h-e-t-e-o nutheteo and it means literally to put in your mind right to put things in mind or to warn or to correct so they, they are they are there to leap over you they are there to 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 remind you of god's word to remind you of god's word and so you 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 lose a loved one you call your pastor he's there to encourage you he's there to comfort you you lost a job you are finding it hard to trust god you call your pastor your leader whatever they are there to admonish you they are there to they are there for you it is recognize these people christina says how do we recognize appropriately because i notice there is a certain selflessness that comes with these leaders that don't desire recognition well that is the nature of 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 christianity right leadership is service and so if you're serving of course you don't you're not striving for recognition in that sense which is why paul is telling the congregation recognize them do you get the point there is if there's a christian community and there are people there that are laboring over you and have been placed over you in terms of church leadership right recognize them and give them the honor they deserve because what they are doing they are literally helping god on your behalf and it says what's in verse 13 esteem them very highly he goes on to esteem them meaning in your mind place them very highly in love it says five flowers for their work sake this has nothing to do with them like even if there's nothing in them worthy of like not worthy of course they're humans so in my point is they deserve the honor because of the work they do so for instance let's say in church your your map leader you are the one that employed it you are the one, you are one pain is that it doesn't matter it doesn't matter for the work sake you esteem them highly you esteem them highly you are earning double you double they, are, they have come to ask you for money before it doesn't matter it doesn't matter they're like ah they, if not some people say if not for church if we had met outside <laughs> you are ignorant you are silly <laughs> very silly again you are sleeping because if you realize how important if you were truly awake if you were truly not drunk you would know that what they are doing for you is bigger than anything money can buy and so it is for the work's sake, even not for anything else, for the work's sake, for the spiritual importance of what they are doing, esteem them highly. And then it says, be at peace amongst yourselves. If we're reading that from the previous, it, it would make sense in the sense in which you don't quarrel. Remember 1 Corinthians, oh, I'm for Paul, I'm for Apollos, I'm for Peter. No, no, no. Be at peace among yourself. If we're reading that more gener- um, generically, it's still the same thing. Don't quarrel. Don't like be at, We shouldn't come to answer these two people have been fighting. These three, they are not getting at why? Why? Be at peace amongst yourselves. Don't fight over spiritual leaders. Recognize in your, your congregation. I'm not speaking the body of Christ now. Recognize them all. Honor them all. Esteem them highly for their work. 
we talked about that in first corinthians 1 2 and 3 so i would highly recommend if if you're not clear on what it what where all of that fits in please listen to that but honor them for their work's sake and it says we exhort you brethren warn those who are unruly comfort the faint-hearted uphold the weak be patient with all let me go back to the whole recognize before i I go on there was something i wanted to say that i i i um forgot (laughs) recognition is not passive it's not that i recognize him ah is it not him i i it's not his face i recognize him that's my past recognize no 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 to recognize and to esteem it would show in your actions it would show in your interactions with them but then even little things like make it a habit just encouragement for instance it's a big it's a great way to to show that you recognize them especially for the ones that like christina was saying that they are not desiring recognition that's fine just send a message that pastor thank you for for what i i appreciate i see what you are doing and i'm grateful thank you for your labor over my life just something that simple you can even write it on your book that every month i will call my pastor and check up on him because many of them and i'll I'll let i'll be honest with you many of them especially if they are doing well god willing they're not looking for money like what motivates the work of ministry is to see lives change it's not about fame it's not about recognition it's not about any of those things and so while yes of course you should we you see that in philippians you see that you should if they have sown into you spiritually you should sow into them materially as well especially for those ones that that is all they are doing right but even more than that just encouragement like for paul what made him happy is that these people were they 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 did not forget anything he taught them and that was enough it's enough to to feel fulfilled that yes his labor was not in vain and so for many of you that might be asking ah my pastor is doing well i don't know what to get you don't have to get them stuff per se just recognition is as simple as recognition let them know that you you are you are mature enough to realize the spiritual investments they've placed in your life and appreciate them for it's that simple it's that simple it's that simple honor them esteem them right whether it's on so you say ah i thank god that i met this person or i thank god for my pastor don't be ashamed to to post on your story or thank god for my pastor thank god for my map even if what i would not be prayerful thank god even now let's even get even more like accountability partners like stuff just be a person that so honors spiritual things that you 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 esteem highly the people that have made spiritual investments in your life it says a lot about your spiritual maturity it says a lot about your 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 priorities says a lot says a lot says a lot amen all right let's go on it says we exhort you brethren warn those who are unruly comfort the faint-hearted uphold the weak and be patient with all 
I love this verse because it makes it very clear that there is no perfect church. If you were hoping to come into a place where there is no unruly person, there is no weak believer, there, <laughs> go to go to uh, the heavenly Jerusalem. <laughs> it's not here. It's not here you'll find so if it's on this earth. No, 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 no. There will be people that are unruly amongst you. What would unruly look like? They are not doing things that they've clearly been instructed to do. Let's say people that are not working, people that are lazy, people that are busy bodies, people that are not are, like, ah, are you okay? What does he say? It says, warn them. Now, this is interesting because it is not an this is we're not reading first Timothy here. We're reading first Thessalonians. It is an instruction to a church. And he's telling them, I'm exhorting you all, look out amongst you. If you see any unruly person, caution them. Yes, the pastor should, but we have a responsibility to watch each other's backs. It's the same thing in verse 15. Let me just quickly read verse 15 and we go back to verse 14. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone. He's talking to a church about their same church that you should be be watching. See, make sure if you if I see Tammy do say Tammy, <laughs> this is not what the word of God says. Does it? Are you my pastor? Say, no, I'm not your pastor, but I'm your brother in Christ. See that no one does it. There is that sense in which the conduct of people in your church is your concern. As a believer, you are open to correction from your belief from your brothers and sisters, and you are responsible to giving correction to your brothers and sisters. And so if I see someone in my local assembly doing, I should be able to walk up to him or her and say, ah, no, now, brother, this is, no, no, this is, this is not how. Say, we have not so lent Christ. <laughs> I love that phrase so much. We have not so lent Christ. Amen. But let's go on. It says, warn those who are unruly. Warn those who are unruly. In 2 Thessalonians um, 3 from verse 6 to 12, we're going to get there. He talks about eventually you're going to withdraw from them. So there's that sense in which you warn. Similarly, for the guy, let's say someone is sleeping with their father's wife, as in the case of the Corinthian, you want like brother, ah, what are you? Say you they why me? No, no, no. What are you doing? You warn them. If they refuse to change, spiritual authority, leadership will get involved, and we 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 don't. We don't see you as one of us. Exile. <laughs> Excom excommunicado. <laughs> Warn those who are unruly. Comfort the faint-hearted. Very important. And so there will be people, and it's not as if that's the description of their person, at certain points in their Christian work, they may become faint-hearted. They may be weak, Right? They may be scared, fearful, whatever. It says what? Comfort them. Comfort them. In the KJV, it says comfort the feeble-minded. So they need external help to rise. You don't say, ah, why is feeble-minded? Come on. No. Get alongside them. The word comfort literally in the Greek is to come near. To come near something. You come near them. Get alongside them and strengthen them. That Oh, brother, you can do better. You can pray more. You can study more. Oh, let's go for evangelism together. You comfort the feeble-minded. 
it says you uphold the weak uphold the weak that word there same thing to stand opposite them as as support there's a weak believer you uphold them it's your responsibility it's not just your pastor's responsibility it's your responsibility you know they are ah, this church why is this one feeble minded why is this one weak no 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 <laughs> they are humans right we have all sorts of believers in the church you uphold them whether spiritually whether morally you come up alongside them even even if it's financially and you can't you come alongside them strengthen them and finally he says be patient with all say i i don't like this church they are too they're not yourself you are proof that you're not perfect because you're not patient it says be patient with everyone you are in a body where everyone is growing to become more like jesus no one came into a church perfect no one in the church is perfect and if that's the case we would step on each other's toes every now and then and so you need to be patient you need to be patient say yeah this no 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 come alongside them help them be better help them be better help them be better you yourself might fall into one of these categories at some point in your christian journey you might be unruly you might be faint-hearted let's say something bad or a sequence of negative events happen to you and you are you are weak you are vulnerable at that point you will need the help of your brethren you might be weak in one area at some point in your life you will need your your brethren you will need patience that one uh, even now as i'm talking to you now you we we are all being patient with you in case you are wondering ah just know that we are all being patient with you including myself my friends are being patient because me too i need patience <laughs> he needs being patient with me <laughs> i need patience i need patience every one of us does and so it's just that attitude this is this is the ideal church a church where we're helping the weak where the strong come alongside the weak we're not saying ah criticizing no 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 where everyone is patient with one another amen see that no one verse 15 renders evil for evil but pursue what is good both for yourselves and for all pursue what is good both for yourselves and for all and then he goes on to the popular Thessalonian verses, the, probably the most popular verses in all of First Thessalonians. Verse 16, rejoice always. Simple instructions. Like it's not, it's not deep. <laughs> well, they say, ah, it's, it's, not, it's, like, it's not complex. It's not hard to understand. Rejoice always. Rejoice always. Philippians 3 verse 1, he says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same thing to you, it's not tedious on my part, but for you, it is safe. What does that mean? There is safety in, in repeating such an instruction to rejoice. Why? It means that a lack of joy will make you vulnerable. Philippians 4 verse 4, rejoice in the Lord. Again, I would say rejoice. Why? Why is joy a big deal? Why is joy a big deal? Why is joy a big deal? And like I said, it's because, well, I've not said why, but it, it just shows that if you're not joyful, at any point in your life, you notice that something is taking away your joy. You're vulnerable. You should be careful what you allow influence your joy. 
there's a phrase, a quote I saw, and I'm paraphrasing, but the idea there is that if someone can get you angry, or if someone knows that they can control your emotions, then they can control they, they control you. You should be very careful what you allow to control your emotions. Something doesn't happen that day. You are upset. The whole day is ruined. Ha! Be careful. <laughs> be careful. Be careful. Oh, I was expecting a delivery. The delivery didn't come. You are sad. The old ah uh-uh. <laughs> Be careful. You set out in the day, 8 a.m. 8 a.m. Your trouser tore. I'm sorry, it tore. It's not good. But because of your mood for the whole day, you are upset. Ha! <laughs> you need help. You, you just don't know. It's a food delivery. <laughs> you order food. <laughs> Let's say you are fasting. It's the food you are meant to use to break your fast. There's nothing else at all. <laughs> you just start to vex. But on a serious note, guys, you have a bad day at work. So the whole day is... No, 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 no. No. Be very careful. <laughs> they delivered the wrong ice cream. <laughs> if people are not serious. I'm not saying you can't be upset at the events of like you can be upset if something doesn't go as planned. But be careful that you don't allow any event linger. There's a reason why it says don't go to bed in your anger. Don't let the sun go down rather on your anger. Same thing, right? Don't allow the effects of negative events. <laughs> yes, let's or as you are driving, your tire just you as you or something you just know that two hundred dollars has gone from my account. <laughs> the other you are vexing. It makes you vulnerable. First of all, you are not leaving a good impression on the people you interact with in that moment. Second, you are not going to be as aware, and everyone can relate on in the moments where you were upset. Where, you're not as aware you're not you're not in tune with what god is doing in that moment he's not he's not the, no it it's it filters everything you say everything you do anything that anybody does to you no it's not good it's not good and even beyond just even let's say the general small moments of upset imagine that that being your state for days for weeks you are not joyful Do you know how much damage the devil can do in that short period of time? Be joyful. Rejoice always. Learn to, don't don't allow, don't give control. It goes back to what we're saying. Don't give control to anything outside the spirit of God. Not your car, not your house, not your spouse. Oshie, I'm a rapper now. (laughs) Not your not your spouse not your friends no don't give anyone that much power that they will do something or say something and boom the whole day you are upset Ah. spirit of god indwells you joy is a fruit of your spirit don't 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 be careful what you allow rob you of your joy be careful what you allow to influence your emotions. It matters. It matters. Rejoice always. 
Rejoice always. I'm not saying um, your windscreen broke. You are, eh, thank you, God. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm not saying that. Yes, you can be upset your windscreen broke, but you can very quickly still go back to an attitude of joy because you trust that it's going to work out. Just have that perspective towards life that God did. Nothing is as is that important. Everything will be fine. It's that simple. Just wake up every day and say, God day, nothing is that important. Everything will be fine. <laughs> Everything will be fine. Rejoice always. Rejoice always. Let, let the world ask you that ah, why are you so there? You are just always so happy. Say, that's why won't I be happy? I'm saved and I'm looking forward to the coming of my king. I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm happy. <laughs> I'm happy. Let people nothing gets to yes, nothing gets. I trust God. I trust God. Verse 17. Pray without season. Pray without season. I like that because I've said turned to pray without S-E-A-S-O-N. It's still true. Pray without season. Pray without season. Anyone. <laughs> Just keep praying. It's, maybe he just didn't want to say, rejoice always, pray always. So he said, let me just play around with the words. It's the same idea. Rejoice always, pray always. Whether that refers to times, continual times of prayer, right? That you are, like how the early church, they had, they prayed 6 a.m., 9, 12. Just be praying. Just be praying. Every day, make sure your time of devotion, you're praying. Know that, oh, between 5 and 6 a.m. every morning. Oh, wow. I'm so sorry. I I got carried away by my teaching. People were in the waiting room. Um, For those that just joined, I'm so sorry. I forgot to assign a co-host today. My co-host is not around, so I forgot to assign a co-host to let people in. Um, But yes. um, um, Pray always. Have continual times of prayer. Have continual times of prayer. Not only that, always be, let's let be in the mood of prayer, be. Just be in that mood. Don't, don't ever get out of that mood of prayer where you are constantly, even in your mind. So one first place in activity, then also in the mind, you are constantly in fellowship with God. You read Mark 14, 38. It says, um, watch and pray lest you fall into temptation. Mark 14, 38. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. If you don't pray, you will fall into temptation. I think I saw a quote by Paul Washer. Again, paraphrasing. Quotes don't stay in my mind. But it says that if you if you consider all the days that you acted funny, you would see that one underlying thread there is that you weren't praying as you, you, you ought to. You weren't praying as you ought to. You weren't praying as you ought to. If we're talking about being sober, being watchful, what is the, where is the place where we fortify our minds against the distractions of this world? Because what that means is that every time you step out of your house, the world is singing lullabies around you. The world is trying to get you to sleep. The world is constantly offering you alcohol. Just take now. It's not a big deal. Is it not just a cocktail? It's just a margarita. It's not that big of a deal. That is what the world is constantly doing. And how we fortify our minds, how we make sure that we don't fall asleep, we don't get, we don't get drunk, is that we are constantly praying. 
we are constantly reminding ourselves that there is a God to whom we submit to. So guard your prayer life. See, God, I've talked about this before and I might not have as much time as I would love to today, but your devotional life, if anything else in this world suffers, don't let your devotion suffer. Don't let your devotion suffer. Don't let your devotion suffer. Jesus in Luke 22 verse 31, it says, the devil desired to sift you like wheat, but I've prayed for you. Prayer does a lot. See, the, the devil is, is after your life. He said, you, I will show you. He says, but I've prayed for you. And so we, we have a sense in which it's the intercessions of Jesus that even kept Peter after he denied him. He prayed for him. For him. He said, God, this, this boy that will cut off the, just keep this boy. I know the devil wants to just keep him. And so what does that mean? It shows that, first of all, your prayers for yourself, your prayers for your friends. It's not just the fact that you woke up in the morning and you spent some time just praying for your friends. You're praying for your friends that God keep these ones. Keep these ones from the plans of... It's not a waste of time. Because the... the, the should I say, is this sad? But the, the irony about most of the prayers we pray is that it's only in eternity you're going to see. It's very easy to see the impact of causative prayer. So what I mean by that is, oh God, do this. So when it comes, they're like, oh, okay, I prayed about this. God, give me a job. God, give this person a job. And it happened. I'm like, oh God, thank you. But we don't often see the larger ones, which are the things that our prayers prevent. You went out one day, you came back, you're like, ah, God, thank you. You don't know that maybe you prayed or something and a situation was averted. You don't, you don't, you don't know. As in like what Delight said, people are praying for you. You don't know the effect. Peter might not have known. <laughs> if just did not tell him, I've prayed, it will probably be after, after he looks back at it and says, thank God Jesus prayed for me. What would, have, what would have happened? Some of us, the only reason we are here today is because our mothers prayed for us. You will not know until you get to eternity. You will not know. But because our parents were praying for us, that's the only reason we didn't do something stupid or we didn't, our lives were not as bad as they should have been before God took over. It's because people were praying. You don't know how one prayer might just avert something. It could be a sickness. It could be an accident. It could be anything. But never, never think that your prayers are ineffective. Never. One of the first things the devil tries to do to affect your prayer life is to make you de-emphasize the impact of prayer. All of a sudden, you're not just as conscious as to what prayer does. That's the first step. Before he even starts to affect your time, your mind, your focus, he just starts to make prayer look not as important as it should. Maybe you went one day, two days, everything is fine. You don't know that you are getting weaker. And one thing that, that I'm trying to be more conscious of, because if you work out, Every, if you go to the gym, you can relate to this, right? Um, if you don't work out the first day, the second day, you are still feeling yourself. One week, you can start to tell that, ah, something has, something is going on. Because it's physical. So you can see yourself growing, shrinking, whatever. 
But unfortunately, we don't have that same sensitivity to prayer. We don't have that same sensitivity to prayer. You don't, you should build your, your spirit man to that point where you pray, you don't pray a day, you don't pray two days. You know that you're not yourself. All your all your systems are fine. You know that check engine lights, check fuel, check tire, <laughs> everything like ah, something is I'm not myself. I'm not myself. I'm not myself. Guard your devotional life. Guard it with your life because it is your life. Pray without season. Pray without season. That's the way we stand against temptations. That's the way we guard our minds against the 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 the, the distractions in the world. That's how we say stand, stay sensitive, not stay sensitive. Say stay sensitive. I'm talking too much. To the, to the plans and the purposes of God in our lives. That's how you keep your joy. If you see, I, I used to joke that the friends of mine in school that once that act, I was like, have you been praying? And the answer is always no. Because the way you are behaving, the things you are saying, you've not, you've not prayed in the past three days. I, I'm so sure. And you can tell. You said in your own life, you can tell. You can, you're just more calm. You would rather just want to watch TV, Netflix, chill, go to bed. No, no. Pray without season. Verse 18, let's start to round up. In everything, give thanks. Same thing, right? Rejoice always. Pray always. In everything, thank God. Ephesians 5 verse 20, giving thanks always for all things. To God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus. Philippians 4 6, be anxious for nothing, but by everything in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. It says, for this is the will of God for you in Christ. And like I've always taught on this platform, God does not expect anything of you that he has not equipped you to do. God does not expect anything from you that he has not equipped you to do already. And so if God tells you to rejoice always, it's because he has something in you that if you can just stir it up you will be able to so don't say ah it's not practical i have i've thought about this a lot of times don't be that believer eh, eh, but you know life happens mm. when paul was writing he knew, in fact like he was just coming from a lot <laughs> he was even going through a lot as well he knows is it Paul you want to tell that paul you know life happens he said, i know <laughs> me shipwrecked three times arm robbers have beaten me they have stolen they have flogged Ah, <laughs> uh, what are you saying? So don't be that believer that gives into the mindset and say, you know, you, you know, no. It is possible to rejoice always. It is possible to pray without season. It is possible to be thankful in every situation. And I like there's a common um cliche phrase people say that in everything, not for everything. I agree that I'm not going to be thanking God that I lost a loved one. I'm going to be thanking God that I got. $200 extra bills this month. No. But I can be thankful. I can maintain an, an attitude of thankfulness even in that in those in those low moments. Because I realize that at the end of the day, God is still in control over my life. I realize that in those moments, I'm still saved. You can be thankful even when things are not going well. You can live a life of gratitude even when things are not going well. And since that is God's will for you. That is God's will for you. And it's something we should be able to hold ourselves. Of course, there's a bit of sensitivity. We've talked about comforting the faint, right? We've talked about comforting people who are weak. 
that you should be sensitive you should be loving but there should be an an a sense of accountability where when i'm not as thankful as i should be when i'm allowing my emotions to direct my 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 response my attitudes i should have friends that should be able to call me and say ah, daniel be thankful I know we live in a society now that like oh that's insensitive and all of that and of course it depends on how close you are to the person but let's not kid ourselves we have a responsibility of encouraging people with the word of god and so if i have a good friend of mine that i have access to and i see that an event in their life is affecting their devotion affecting their joy i should be able to lovingly come alongside them but remind them of what god's will is in everything give thanks and then he goes on to say what do not quench the spirit i love that these are every verse here is a teaching it's a teaching on its own joy prayer thankfulness now um not quenching the spirit of god and i love the fact that he uses the word quench so he describes the influence of the spirit of god in your heart to fire and the thing with fire is that you can increase or decrease it. You can pour fuel and let it burn even brighter. Or you can pour sand <laughs> or cover it. Or I don't know. They said don't pour water on fire. I don't know. But you can quench it. And it's your choice. You can quench the Spirit of God in your own life. You can fan into flames. 2 Timothy 1 verse 6. Stir up the gift of God that is in you by the putting on of my hands. Your actions can either fuel or quench the move of the Spirit. Think about that. It's unfortunate that I'm rushing through these things. But there are things that you should take your time and meditate. Like open your Bible and just be pacing your room and be praying. My actions can hinder or feel the move of God in me and through me. Say, ah, then as from today, Lord, you turn it to prayer point. I, I've fallen into flames. The spirit of God or the influence of the spirit of God in me. Something you can do. How can you, how can you be better equipped to respond to the spirit? Devotion. We've talked about that. Like, what, what does it look like? Let's even start from there. What does What is the Spirit of God influencing you to do? Of course, to pray, to study, your devotional life, charisma, zeal. Those are the influence. You can, it's very easy to see someone say, yeah, this one is burning for, ah, this one is burning for God. And it's fun. This one, this one, there's, indeed, there's fire on the altar. This other one, no, they just, they just listen to Theophilus. There's, there's nothing, nothing, <laughs> nothing. Don't quench the spirit of God. And I, I want you to think about it. So what that means is that God is literally, or the spirit of God in you is literally pushing you to do something. But then in that moment, you can kill it. And I'm sure we can, even me, I can relate. Everybody here, I'm sure we can relate to that. That you feel the spirit of God pushing you to do something, say something, go somewhere, and you just kill it. Just kill it. Whether it's it's due to fear. Remember 2 Timothy 1 7. You are afraid that ah, what will people say? 
And so you don't do it. You've quenched the spirit. Whether it's due to pride. Oh, my image. I want people to see me in a certain way. Moses was like, ah, I'm a stammerer. Send somebody else. Send somebody else. Whether it's due to shame. Let's say you've, you've, you've done something in the past and now you are, you are ashamed and you feel God can't use you in a certain way. You're quenching the spirit. Whether it's due to you've not been praying and so your flesh is just carrying you up and down. God says, pray. You said, no, you order ice cream. Mommy, Anne, what flavor? <laughs> God wakes you up at night to pray. You said, no, Lord. No, Lord, I will not. <laughs> be very conscious. I want everyone to live here today. Be very conscious of the influences of God. And the thing with this is, the more you say yes, the easier it is to say yes. But the more you say no, the harder it is. Or in, well, still saying that the easier it is to keep on saying no. To keep on saying no. And to make a commitment today, every influence of God's spirit in my heart, I will give it expression. If it's to say yes, I'm sorry, if it's to say something to someone, if it's to do something, if it's to go somewhere, if it's to serve somehow, whatever it is, every influence of the spirit of God in my heart, I give it expression. And in the day, in the times of weakness, where you felt the spirit of the Lord you to do something and you you just killed let it break you let it be be concerned be burdened say ah i need to pray more you go just go and pray because it's in prayer we build that you remember it's the same thing with jesus it's like it's time oh this is literally the reason he came he said for this very reason i came and at the moment at the hour to do it he say ah he had to pray Three times he had to pray and he left their boat he said not my will but yours and that's the same thing with us there are things god god asks us to do you are walking in the grocery store and god says go and tell this person this and you're like ah god you have come again <laughs> i'll be honest with you i can relate to that like god why now now i just i'm not even dressed up i just came to pick bread i go what do you mean <laughs> man can't talk God, no, next time, next time, next time, God, next time, next time, I'll do two, <laughs> and then you kill it. I'm laughing about it, but it's a very, very serious issue, and it's it should be something that you, you think about. Like, literally, my choices have the ability to either quench or fuel the influences of God in my of God through through and in me, and so you should have a posture of yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I will do what you say I will do. I would say what you say I would say. I Yes. Whatever the Spirit of God, I would do it. Amen. It goes on to say in verse 20, don't despise prophecies. Or it will be done in just a few minutes. Don't despise prophecies. He said the same thing to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1. Pursue love desire spiritual gifts especially that you may prophesy especially that you may prophesy don't despise prophecies whether the ones you should give or the ones that you receive don't look down on it by extension charisma 
spiritual gifts have always been an issue in the church in case you're not aware and so you always have to know where you stand and what your reception is towards them don't this don't the word despise is the opposite of esteem esteem means to look highly or to place highly in your mind despise means to look down on or to place lower in your mind and so paul is telling a church be a church that does not despise prophets because that is how god interacts with us through his word and through prophecy that is how god tells us what he is about to do in your life it is through prophecy what does god want to do next year it is through prophecy you would know you see agabus saying what there's a famine oh let's do this let's do this let's gather for the church in jerusalem it's prophecy Paul, how did he he says god said to them separate unto me paul it's time someone spoke up while they were praying and fasting prophecy don't as a believer or in your christian community let prophecy be a regular part of your lives that is how god leads his people that is how god leads his people that's how god leads his people he says test all things if we're speaking um directly to the context of the preceding verse it means even when people prophesy so don't despise it but be wise test it the word tested document is literally the word where metal um people would put put the metal through fire to test oh is this gen is this real gold or is this fake gold test every prophecy how do you test prophecy the word of god how do you test prophecy the inward witness how do you test prophecy if you want more clarity ask it. god will give more clarity on it that's how we do that the three ways you you test it in, in alignment with the word with the inward witness and with confirmations that's how we test prophecies and then hold fast to what is good more generally of course everything whether it's doctrine whether it's prophecy whatever it is test it hold fast to what is good i love highlight that word in your bible hold fast it means hold fast don't let it slip away if someone told you god is set to do this and this next year hold fast and you've tested it hold fast to it don't let it slip away you want to see it happen hold fast to it war with pray alongside let your life let your life be the life of someone that knows that someone they've told you something <laughs> that's what it says run with prophecy hold fast to it it goes on abstain from every form of evil and now may the god of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our lord jesus christ this is a very interesting verse because if you remember first thessalonians 4 verse 3 you can turn your bibles there first thessalonians 4 verse 3 it says this is the will of god your sanctification from verse 1 it says we urge and exhort you that you should abound more and more just as you received from us how you should walk and please god verse 3 for this is the will of god your sanctification and so in first Thessalonians 4 we see that the responsibility is placed on the believer for sanctification that that is god's will so sanctify yourselves keep yourselves from evil live a holy life 
But then we see in 5 verse 23 that may God sanctify you. And the question then, as always, is who is sanctifying who? Should I sanctify myself? Is God sanctifying me? And the answer, as always, is both. God is at work. It's the same thing he said. God is at work in you. Both to will and to do. But you have a responsibility to work it out. It says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is he who wills, who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And so there is a work of God, a sanctifying process of God. Already he has, he has saved you in that sense. You've believed the gospel. He has saved you. But he's working in you, sanctifying you, making you more like him. So that last year, Ashake was top of your Apple playlist. But this year, it is Yosinyeko. We thank God for the sanctifying process of God. <laughs> right? He's at work in you. Last year, you listened to a thousand minutes of the band. This year, it is only 30 minutes. We thank God for your life. <laughs> Is the one at work. Let me cover your eyes. Cover your eyes. Cover your eyes. <laughs> He's the one at work. But you have to respond. And there's also the sense in which when he comes, the day of the Lord, like we've talked about today, your body will be sanctified. And so theologians call that we are saved. We are being saved. And we will be saved. There's probably some fancy word for it. Any you can put it in the chat if you know. <laughs> But we've been saved. We've said yes to the gospel. Our spirits and the spirit of God united. One, we're saved. We have, we've been blessed with all spirit. Cool stuff, right? We are being saved. Meaning day by day, there's an ongoing work of sanctification. Where this time last year, I am more like Christ than I used to be. And then we will be saved in the sense in which when Christ returns, our bodies, soul, and spirits, boom, bam. We are like him. We are like him. We are like him. We are like him. It says, he who calls you is faithful. And he will also do it. So there's that sense in which the only reason I know I can walk in sanctification is because God is faithful. God is, I can trust God to always be at work in me. And so I can respond. And I can respond. We can trust. So as a believer, don't, don't say, ah, but, but no. You can trust the work of God in you. Oh, I struggle. Yes, I agree. But you can trust the work of God in you. I, I get angry easily. Yes, but you can trust the work of God in you. Oh, I, I find it hard to always be thankful. When bad things happen, I just, I just break down. Yes, but you can trust God in you. You can trust the work of He who called you is faithful and He will do it. Finally, brethren, pray for us. And I love the humility in this verse. This is Paul the Apostle, the man of God. He's telling them, people that he got saved and trained. He said, pray for us. And he just shows you once again the power of prayer. I tell you guys, well, this is not the platform for topical teaching. If, if we do a teaching on prayer, prayer, and I'm sure if you attend good churches, you've, you've learned all that as well. Never let the power of prayer slip out of your minds. If Paul can ask them, 
pray for us is because he knows that if they do, his work will be easier. Pray for, pray for your friends. Pray for your spiritual leaders. He won't have asked if it was not necessary. He won't have said, oh, the same Paul that said, I pray in tongues more than you. The same Paul that prays every day. He's still asking people, pray for us. Because it's needed. He would ask for utterance. Ephesians 6, 19, pray for utterance. 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 2, pray that we be delivered from wicked and unreasonable men. Pray for us. Pray for us. Pray that my devotional life does not fail. Pray that I have the words to say. Pray that I'm kept from evil. Pray for us. Pray for us. Pray for us. Make it a habit to pray for people around you. Pray for your nation. 1 Timothy 2. Pray for your leaders. Pray for your pastors. Pray for your friends. Pray for the people you disciple. Pray for unbelievers. Pray. Just be praying. Believe strongly that ah, I can't do anything in this world without prayer. Just believe in the power of prayer. Keep praying. Keep praying. Amen. Finally, greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. Mwah. Of course, if you try, I will, I will change it for you. <laughs> it's simply a demonstration of genuine affection. My wife will not be happy. She said I should not be kissing people. So please, guys, don't kiss him. <laughs> it's just genuine Christian affection. Meaning, let that love... Ah! Hey, my wife will not be happy. <laughs> let that be that genuine demonstration of Christian affection. Like, you, you love each other. You are happy to see each other. You are happy to be around each other's company. It says, I charge you by the Lord, verse 27, let this epistle be read to all the holy brethren. The same thing he said in Colossians 4.16. When this epistle is read among you, see that it's read in the church in Laodicea and you too, read the one I wrote to them. So I, I, I always I always encourage people to, to keep that in mind when they are reading. This was not necessarily personal Bible study time. An elder was literally standing in front of them, reading it to all. And so they are all listening. Such that on Tuesday morning, right? On Tuesday morning, when Toho is sad, I said, Toho! Didn't you hear on Sunday? We're there together. Rejoice. Oh, oh yeah, rejoice. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I'm just joking, but I'm also not joking. You get the point. The fact that it's read together stirs up mutual accountability. Stirs up mutual accountability. And so I can say, oh, Ini, this is the will of God. Give thanks. I can say, oh, and we all heard it together now. Don't despise prophecies. Hamomian, don't despise prophecies. Right? I charge you, let, let, that, let that sense of church come back to you where you see yourself as accountable to every believer, every believer that you interact with and they are also accountable to you. And so we can help each other. We can help each other. It says the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Again, as always, like, I, like Paul starts and ends, what is grace? The divine influence of the Spirit of God in the human heart right the grace of god be with you amen i know i rushed a bit towards the end because we're past time but i beg of you and i, I put it in the broadcast message as well take out time and read through this book again um especially like this bullet points it's it's simple because it's it's one of the more difficult things to apply in practice and that's why it's very easy to say 
Rejoice always. Pray without season. In everything, give thanks. Don't quench the spirit of God. Don't despise prophecy. Hold fast. Abstain from evil. Right? Look at your life. Pray through these verses and see. Watch yourself grow. It's 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 very sad that we we live in a world where it's very easy to keep up with Christian devotional expressions to to be in the church to to enjoy Christian music to to enjoy going to church self to and all these things but in the day to day in your Monday to Friday do we see these things in your life because Christianity is one that is marked by con in case you are not aware yes we're saved by by grace but Christianity is marked by works you had it here. <laughs> it's marked by good works. Paul is so particular about your Christian behavior, especially when unbelievers are involved. It's a big part of your Christian identity. Because at the end of the day, I think this one topical teaching I've done is, is just gingering me to want to do all this. At the end of the day, God saved us. Ephesians 2 verse 10. God saved us to become his people that live a certain way that live a certain way and while in celebrating salvation we celebrate that it was all god we added nothing to our salvation except the sin that made it necessary glory but yeah now that you are saved that working will emphasize it because it was emphasized as a christian your day-to-day behavior is so important you cannot be someone that just gets angry you cannot be someone that is always sad you can't be someone that 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 we can't tell between you and an unbeliever in your place of work in school wherever no 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 and so a huge part of your christian work post believing the gospel is about your conduct becoming more and more like christ through the work of the spirit never never de-emphasize it never yes it's not what saved you yes it's not why you are saved but it's a big part of your work as believers we are alert we are watchful we are sober we have a view to reality where our priorities are very clear we are prayerful we are joyful people we are loving people we love ourselves we love unbelievers we come alongside the weak amongst us that is that is what it means to be christian that's what it means to be christian and if we want to see us have the same impact that the early church did in their own communities it's from these things it's from these things they saw that these people are different they had to coin a name for them not just because their devotional practices were different but the conduct the life that followed slaves and masters eating from the same table in communion how how husbands loving their wives in in crazy ways wives submitting to their husbands how what kind of people are these people that are always joyful people that are always loving one another people that that are so 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 bonded together what kind of people are this that is the testimony of a saved life what kind of person are you what 
And it's not by, it's not just by, let me say it's not by, it's not just by your social media posts. It's not just by, uh, let your life change. Let the spirit of God so transform you. Be like, wow, wow. Amen. 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 All right. Any questions? Any questions? Awesome. I, I believe it's very clear. So again, we've officially come to the end of First Thessalonians, right? Ooh. <laughs> Don't worry. It wasn't as it wasn't so long. And I I I hope we will keep these things to mind. We'll pray about these things. Will I reteach the epistles when I'm done with the epistles? Ah. No, you have to listen to the recording. Uh, unless I don't understand what you mean. <laughs> you have to listen to the recording. Um, like I said, no, no, the podcast name will not change. Um, like I said, we're not meeting next week, right? We would start Second Thessalonians the Saturday after. For anyone who is joining us for the first time, you say, what? Oh, why are we not meeting? Wait, do you mean why? Okay, yes, we're not meeting next week because, like, I see how Anne shouted at me. Yes, um, Ayo, you're very welcome. It's every Saturday, 9 a.m. CST. The podcast, can someone please put it in the chat? Um, the link to the podcast, you can catch up on every okay, Nigeria. That is a uh, someone help me. 9 plus 7, <laughs> 16, 4 p.m. West African time. And then it's a change back to 3 p.m. I'll let, let you know. Um, it's 4 p.m. West African time. Um, the podcast, we actually started January 2021. So we're like two years old now. Woo, we'll do two-year anniversary next month. <laughs> what I thought was going to be one-year teaching is spanning to be a two-and-a-half, three-years <laughs> adventure. It is well. It's worth it. Um, and you can catch up on all the recordings. We've done a ton of books now. We actually have just a few. We've gone, we've covered more books than we have left, right? We only have Second Thessalonians, Second Corinthians, Timothy, Timothy, Titus, Revelations, Romans, and I think Jude. Um, so yes, we're, we're almost done. Um, any other thing? Yes, if this is your first time, welcome, welcome. Hi, Salome, I'm not sure. I've seen your name before. Hi, Chim, Mary, Vivian. I'm not sure I've seen your name before. Hi, Ayo. Hi, Nifemi. Um, welcome. I I hope you had a great time. I hope it was worth your time. Um, thank you to anyone that invited them. Oh, okay. Interesting. I'm not sure we met. I can't remember. I'm sorry. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see you guys. Uh yes also if you wouldn't mind like we don't have a whatsapp group or anything but you can book you or someone please put my number in the chat if you want to be added to the broadcast list where i send the flyer the zoom link and information about whether we're meeting or not don't worry we'd hardly ever not meet um please put just send me a message that hi daniel um i would love to be added to the broadcast list and i would add you straight away 
Uh, if you have any questions about anything I've covered today, anything about the Bible or any any other, feel free to shoot me a message. I That is why I'm here. <laughs> All right. I would pray. And then, um, oh yeah, so I said we're not going to be meeting next week because the most of us here, including myself, um, are part of Celebration Church. And we have an end-of-year program called Reboot Camp. Um, I'm sure you've probably seen the poster. Well, if you haven't, you can also just say, Daniel, what is this? What is this uh, poster you are talking about? <laughs> and what is this reboot camp? But I strongly encourage, if we're not going to be here next week, please be a part of the end of year program. You would definitely, you would definitely, it would be worth your time. And uh, you would have a an idea into how I've been trained. <laughs> so, um, yes, I, I, I would, if you want to also hear more about that, please send me a text. My number is in the chat. Again, if you want to be added to broadcast, please send me a message after this. Like, actually text me because I won't be able to remember from just the Zoom chat um, or send me a WhatsApp message or anything. That's totally fine. All right, uh, let's pray. I would see you guys in two weeks as we begin Second Thessalonians. Oh, it's just three chapters, so it's going to be a beautiful time. We'll pray and then we'll take the benediction. Um, Dear Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for an amazing time through First Thessalonians. Thank you for all the lessons learned. Thank you for today, for even all that we covered from the day of the Lord to our response. I pray that we are comforted and we're edified knowing that you are coming again. I pray, Lord, that even in our Christian walk, that our lives are characterized by joy, by prayer, by thankfulness and gratitude. I pray that we learn to walk in the Spirit and not quench your Spirit. I pray that as believers, we are people whose lives will testify that we've been changed because of your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for, for everyone this podcast has touched. Thank you for every life that has been changed. I pray, Lord, that even as we go into the new year, there is yet more, yet more, and that we hold your word as king in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. Uh, <laughs> we're not finishing. Uh, <laughs> There is no logic for the year. Last year, we took a break. This year, I'll probably just power through because I really need us to end next year because there's stuff to be done. But of course, I recognize that like 24th, for instance, 31st, people may not be able to join and that's totally fine. The recordings will be out as soon as we are. <laughs> is it food for first time? Haven't you eaten well? <laughs> it eats well. <laughs> Um, let me share my screen and then we take the benediction. I'll give you food. Food that if you eat, you would never go hungry again. That's that's the real food. <laughs> All right. Uh unmute yourselves. Um, um let us read the benediction together. One, two, go. I'm a the word, 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 the
by the word I'm training, I'm training righteousness. righteousness in the word my um have a great week have a great time at reboot camp and i will see you in two weeks all right 